Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Glad to see so many smiling faces this morning. Um, this has been one of the best mornings I've had in a few days. I've had some pretty bad allergies, and this morning I was a little worried. I said, Lord, I'm going to get up here, and I don't want to be sneezing and coughing. Just be with me. Uh, and, and it's been fine. Um, we're going to take a look at Proverbs 16, verse 9. Uh, but before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I make myself available to you. This is your house. These are your people. Use me as you see fit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Amen. Proverbs 16, verse 9. If you have it, say amen. It reads, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. Amen. God gave us a free will to make choices. Now we may make future plans on how we're going to proceed and how we're going to pursue these uh, decisions that we make. But it's God who directs our path. It is him who establishes the steps that we take. How many people make plans? We all make plans. We have holidays coming up. Thanksgiving will be here. Then it'll be Christmas. Then it'll be New Year's. We make plans. We have plans for this afternoon, plans for tomorrow. We even plan or schedule time to do nothing. You say, it's been a long week. I'm exhausted. I just want to get home and rest. You plan that. You have plans for your families plans for your children, plans for your education, plans for your careers, plans for vacation. Last month, I took a vacation to Florida, and we drove, and the GPS set the plan for a 13-hour drive. And I said, we'll see about that, because I planned on beating that time. Every single time. So we all have some sort of plan or schedule that we try to adhere to. Um, now, normally our plans start off as a set of ideas and we uh, catalog those by a priority to us. And we place a date and a time on these plans. Now, some of us do well with the changes and, and the delays that may come. And there are those of us who will have complete meltdown if things don't go according to that plan. Planning is an approach that we use to, um, to outline our goals and our ideas to problem solve. Uh, we use it to balance and control things around us because we, we want some kind of an order in our life. So we plan. How many people had plans for 2020? <laughs> plans for 2020. How did those turn out? Quite a bit of delay, right? Um, now, I'm sure no one planned to be quarantined. No one planned for virtual learning. 
No one planned uh, to be laid off, to be sick, to lose loved ones. No one planned to attend virtual funerals, virtual weddings, virtual childbirth. <laughs> no one planned for that. No one planned on bartering or bombarding Walmart to find toiletries, soap, hand sanitizer, and Lysol wipes. You see, we have plans and we often plan for delay. Uh, we, we plan and we make contingencies. But we didn't plan on rearranging our entire life or our schedules. Now, one thing that you should learn as you go through life is plans don't always go accordingly. I've got a story. We're going we're gonna to look at a few stories today. Uh, there's a bird that was planning to build a nest, and it found the perfect tree, found the perfect branch, and all the material that it needed to do this. It goes on top of the tree, and it starts weaving its nest. And there's a lumberjack who sees this beautiful bird building this nest. Now, not wanting to harm the bird, it takes its mallet and, and all types of heavy equipment and machinery started banging on the tree. The bird gets scared and flies away. It goes to another tree. He starts the process all over. Okay, let's try this again. I've got everything I need. Let's start building this nest. The lumberjack again comes by with his equipment and start banging on the tree. The bird's thinking, what is going on? I just want to build this nest, build a home, have a safe place to be. Now the lumberjack and a bird go through this several times until finally the bird just flies off and leaves the forest and uh, builds this nest on a rock. Now, I imagine that the, that the bird had no idea what was going on, but the lumberjack, he was preparing to cut down several trees in that forest. And out of compassion, it wanted the bird to find somewhere safe to build its nest, somewhere far from the destruction that was going to occur. Now, there's so much that we could uh, dig into this story, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we will. We're going to look at the story in just a little bit. But go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Matthew 1, verse this is 18 through 25. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Give you a moment to take a look at that. If you have it, say amen. If you're still searching, say oh my. Okay, we've got it. All right, it says... This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill the Lord, what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin Mary will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not, uh, where am I? But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and she gave him the name Jesus. Next, we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. So go ahead and turn to that. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. So, so far in this story in Matthew, we're, we're looking at the story of Joseph and Jesus and Mary. Um, Joseph was planning on getting married to Virgin Mary. Uh, I'm sure he had everything planned out. Invitation, the invitations were sent out. Everyone RSVP'd for the wedding. Um, and all of a sudden, Mary is pregnant. He's possibly thinking, are you kidding me? This is not going according to plan. Now, it says, he, he, he could possibly be thinking, okay, I've got a few choices. Let me consider. Uh, I could either divorce her and everyone finds out and my reputation will be ruined, or I can stay with her. She has a baby and my reputation is still ruined and my plans are ruined. But let's take a look at Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It reads, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has uh, prepared for those who love him. So if no eyes have seen, and no ears have heard, and no mind can conceive the things that God has planned for your life, it must mean what God has for your life won't make any sense to you. It may make you uncomfortable. It may make those around you uncomfortable. But the thing is, by submitting your life to God, you're actually agreeing to a change in your plans. So think about the story of Noah. God told Noah to build an ark, and no one had ever seen what was to come. They thought he was crazy. God told Abram that he would have a son, and Sarah laughed. Now, you see that uh, Abraham didn't tell Sarah about uh, God's plan to sacrifice Isaac. I'm sure that wouldn't have gone too well if she'd heard of that. But you see, people will question you. I imagine that Joseph would have uh, considered uh, the questions that people would ask. But the thing is, we make plans, but God often has his own plan for our life. And I said we're going to be flipping around a bit. We're going to take a look at Joshua. Uh, let's take a look at Joshua 6. So in the book of Joshua, we're looking at the battle of Jericho. And God tells Joshua that he's going to be delivering the city of Jericho into their hands. And an angel reveals the plan to Joshua and tells him, uh, tells his army and the priests of the plan. Now, I would love to have been there as, uh, as Joshua if he was going to explain the plan to the troops. I imagine it would go something like this. So, 
we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And they respond, okay, all right, uh-huh. We're going to have seven priests carry trumpets of, of uh, ram's horn in front of it. Okay, all right, all right. We're going to walk around the city. Okay. With all our armed men. All right, all right. For six days, get on with it. Okay, all right. And on the seventh day, uh-huh, uh-huh, just waiting in anticipation for something good. When you hear the sound of the loud blast, the whole army needs to shout, and we're going to run in, and the walls collapse. And I, I'm, I'm thinking there are those who might have been in disbelief looking at one another. Did anyone catch this plan? Did you hear this? We're going to die. Yeah, no, no, we're going to die. This doesn't sound like a good plan. We're going to die. But it worked because it was God's plan. Here's another one. Gideon. Uh, in Judges chapter 6 through 8 is the story of Gideon. And God tells Gideon his plan to deliver the Midianites over to Israel. Now, Gideon gathers 32,000 men. And God tells Gideon, ah, yeah, no, that's, that's too many people. That's, you've got too many men for this job. So God tells Gideon, um, you know what? Tell everyone who's worried or afraid uh, that they can go ahead and leave, they can go home. And automatically, just like that, 22,000 people said, that was close. We're going to go ahead and leave. We're going to leave. That, that works for us. We're not going to fight you on this. So 10,000 remained. And uh, God still said, ah, yeah, no, that's still too many. That's, that's still too many. He said, bring them down to the river, and I will test them. I'll give them a test. So the 10,000 went down by the river. And just a quick side note, you'll be tested. You'll be tested in, your, in the plans that God has for you. And sometimes it often takes what feels like a lifetime to pass certain tests, certain situations that we go through, certain challenges that we face. Now, there were 10,000 people, and there were two groups that they were devised into from this point. There's the group that automatically went down on our hands and face right into the water and just started drinking. And there's another group that kind of knelt down and brought the water up to their face. Automatically, 9,700 men failed. They went straight down their hands and feet right into the water drinking, which left them with 300 men. God said, I, yeah, I can work with that. 300. Now, in Judges uh, 7, verse 12, it says, in Judges 7, verse 12, I read a portion of this. Now, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the east were lying in a valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were outnumbered, or without number, my apologies, as numerous as the sand of the seashore. See, God planned on using... Gideon, but he wanted Gideon to rely on him to defeat this massive army using 300 men, torches, trumpets, and glass jars. But it worked because it was God's plan. Now, for God to use us to make an impact in our life sometimes, um, to be able to make a difference in our community, we have to allow him to take control. Now, sometimes that may ruin some of the plans that we have. We may feel that it ruins the plan. 
But often the plans that we have, they're, they're deficient, they're nearsighted. Sometimes we make plans that are honorable, but God has a better plan for us as he's guiding us. Now, there's nothing wrong with making plans because you need a plan. And God can't order for your, your step if you don't have a plan. You can't just soar through life and, and flow with the wind and say, I'll make it up as I go along. Well, we'll figure it out. You need some sort of a plan as you go through life. Now, many of you are in college or will be attending college next year. And you're going to meet new people, make new friends, have new life experiences. Some of you will stay in states, some of you will go abroad or out of town. Make plans. Have a plan. But if things don't go accordingly, just remember God has a master plan and you're in better hands than all state with God. So have a plan, work that plan, but don't have such a grip on that plan that you don't allow room for God's provision. We're going to look at, uh, well, actually, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. It says, for we know in part and prophesy in part. So even when we have a plan, we don't see the entire thing. We don't know the entirety of what's to come. We can plan contingencies, but as we saw for 2020, we were, we were, side, we were sidetracked. We, were, we weren't prepared for this. You know, one thing that we should learn as we go through life is that plans do not go according to plan. Now, you may have a plan for what your life looks like, what your future is going to be, what your marriage is going to look like, what your career will be. But we need to realize that we may have to loosen some of these plans because God may have something else in mind for us. Now, do we have any planners? Any control freaks? If you're sitting next to a control freak who didn't raise their hands, go ahead and just blank. Just blank. You know, when we make a plan, we, we write it down. We, we think it through, and there's an emotional attachment that we have for this future plan. So sometimes when God intervenes or interjects or, or asks us to give up something that we, that we feel may take away from our plan, we feel that we're losing something rather than gaining something from God. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's plans for us will always be better than our plans for, our, for ourselves. Now, but if you insist on holding to your plan and not be willing to give up anything because you're you feel like you're going to lose something, you're going to live a life that's subpar. You're not going to live to the full potential that the Lord has for you. Now, the only way to maximize these plans is to put that in God's hand because a plan in God's hand is the best plan that you could ever have. So have a plan, work that plan, but listen for God's, for God's voice. The Bible says that God, uh, 
speaks in a still, small voice. How many times do we miss some of the signs that God may send us? We'll ask God for a sign. Say, uh, God, is this, if this is the right house for me, uh, send me a sign. We'll start to think of the house. We're making plans for this. It's beautiful. It has everything that we're looking for. We're envisioning everything that we want. And meanwhile, the house is in a flood zone. The walls are seeping. Every step is a creek. Inspector advises against it. And we think, you know, no, 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 no. This is the one. It's, it's, a, it's just a little rustic. Um, you know, it has good bones. You know, it has character. Further down the road, thousands of dollars later, Lord, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you send me a sign? Why didn't you say something? You know, what we'll asks, is this the right person for me? Is this the right man or the right woman? And we start to envision our lives with this person. Uh, we, we, we plan a future. But they're unmotivated, emotionally detached. We don't have similar goals. And your friends tell you all the time, this isn't, this isn't the person for you. Further down the line, you're having to constantly motivate them. You realize that they're not the person. Oh, Lord, why didn't you say something? Or, or we're, we're planning on attending school. And you find something, and you have a full ride, full scholarship. But it's not the one that your friends are attending. You know, in every single one of these situations, there's someone who, who sees these red flags or, or says something about this, but, Lord, why didn't you say something? You know, God has a plan for us. Uh, the Lord had to speak to jo uh, Joseph three different times. Back in Matthew, three different times. So, Joseph planned on marrying Mary. But the pregnancy was not a part of his plan. Now, later in Matthew 2, verse 13, an angel of the Lord told Joseph to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill Jesus and anyone to and under. Later on in Matthew 2, 19, another angel came to him and said, go ahead and leave Egypt. You can head back, go to Israel. So they go to Nazareth. Now, it must have been difficult because Joseph is a carpenter. Carpentry is a business that is based on clientele. It takes, it takes some time to build your clientele. He might have set up the perfect shop and he was comfortable and started to establish himself and had to get up and leave. But God had a plan for him, a plan better than he thought for himself. Now, God's plan may not always make sense to us. But if you're going to live a life that's surrendered to God, you have to understand that God's plan will succeed. You know, we may have plans for our lives, plans for our children. I have children. I have plans for them. I have goals for them. They have goals for themselves. My daughter's going off to college next year. She has plans for her life. I have plans for her as well. But sometimes we have the faulty assumption that we have the right to make certain decisions about our lives. Uh, that we have uh, the right to lead our lives. But the problem is our lives don't belong to us. We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 
6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. So our lives don't belong to us. So it's the equivalent of you going into your neighbor's house, rearranging furniture, taking down photos, putting up picture of yourself and your family, going into the kitchen, making yourself a meal, taking the car and driving off with it. Sir, this is not your house. That is not your car. What are you doing? So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 27. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The price was the life of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that was shed to forgive us, that, that purchased us from hell, from judgment, from being the reward of our own mistakes. So we ought to use every part of our body to glorify God. You know, when we finally come to the realization that our lives are not our own, it'll make it easier to allow God's agenda to take place in your life. But as long as you continue to confuse the thought that this marriage is your marriage, this, your money is your own, and, and your business and your relationships are your own, we'll resist. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So when God changes our plans... Look for a blessing of something new, something unexpected. Following Jesus may, may require that we relinquish some of the, our desires, some of our plans, and surrender our lives to him daily. Now, while our salvation is secured through Jesus, The struggle to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life every day can be a constant battle. Now, I want to go back to that very first story that we spoke of with the bird. The bird had no idea what was coming. It had no idea that the environment around us was coming down, that the environment was going to be destroyed. The only thing that it knew was that it had a plan that it found a safe place to build a home for its young. And a plan to settle down, a plan to live its life. It couldn't understand why the lumberjack was interfering with his plan. But the lumberjack, he had a plan. He had a plan to tear down the forest, and he wanted the bird to have a safe place, a sound foundation to rest on, away from all the destruction that was going to take place. We, too, have plans plans to work, to play, to expand, to entertain, to pursue our heart's desires. And sometimes we can't understand why God is shaking up our tree, shaking up our lives. You know, we feel like he's interfering with our plans. But God, he too has a plan, you know, a plan to prosper us. And it might require delays redirection or complete derailments of our plans. 
but it'll lead to a more abundant life because the environment around us is coming down. And God's plan is to prepare a place for us. And that'll require a change in our heart, a change in our order, and it's a complete change of plans. Thank you.